The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Uh, Nothing much. Um, We are in the best month of the year for sports and in general as well. Uh, Birthday is in 11 days. Uh, Had to put that shameless cheap pop in. And let's get into postseason baseball, NFL. NHL, NBA, all here now. Yeah, we'll talk more about the NBA in a couple of more weeks because we got to make sure that everybody's going to participate. We got one person that's at the light. They're not going to participate. So, Kyrie. As the Kyrie turns. <laughs> the never-ending soap opera. But, yes, this is another score brought to you by the CSPN. You can find us on the web at CSPN.us. You can subscribe to the show through iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitch Radio. All you have to do is search for KTS Pod Dash the CSPN. First, though, we're going to start with history because on Monday, 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 uh, NASCAR had to race because of a rain delay on Sunday, a rain out basically on Sunday. And on Monday, the weather was a little bit better for a couple of hours as they were able to start the race. They got half of it completed, which makes it official. And when the rains came back and didn't stop, Bubba Wallace was the leader and declared the winner at Talladega to become only the second black driver to win a race in the Cup Series. His first career win in the Cup Series, the highest level of auto racing, stock car racing in America. So first and foremost, congratulations to my man, Bubba yes. Wallace. Amen to that. I, I, I was, I was ecstatic about it myself because, not for for many reasons. I mean, one, the historical significance, of course. Two, this is a big win for, uh, not only Bubba but for Michael Jordan as well. Uh, since he is uh, co-owner of the car with Denny Hamlin. So, Denny gets his second straight win, in a sense, uh, since he did win last week and then wins this week on the owner's tip. So, uh, congratulations to Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin as well. And this will be the – and also the fact that this was the same track where the – the noose incident, or which turned out to be not a noose, but the noose, this is where it really kind of intensified and really kind of really became, Bubba became a polarizing figure at Talladega. And now, for him to get a win at Talladega, that just makes it come all, all full circle. And, and yeah, this is going to be this can be one of those moments where it's like, you know what, this this is where you're going to have somebody 
who's going to see this and be like, you know what? I want to see what that is about. And I, I want to see, because there's a lot more participation from us now. And you have not only Michael Jordan uh, owning, the net, owning the race team. You, Brad Doherty's been doing it for years. Can't forget about him. Um, you got Pitbull and Trackhouse, uh, Daniel Suarez as well. So there's the diversity of NASCAR can really grow from this. And even shout out to the guys on I Am Athlete because they're getting, we talked, we touched on this a few weeks ago, Don, about how they've gotten, you know, people to really kind of look at NASCAR in a different light. And so it's really a great thing. This is really kind of a great, well, not kind of, this is a great thing to see and be a part of history. You know, it's always good to be, have those, where were you when this happened kind of moments, you know? It was a fantastic day uh, for Bubba. Uh, he finally raced the race where his crew chief looked like they had a strategy going into the race. Uh, it, it, this takes a certain type of discipline outside of any other form of racing that NASCAR does to win at Daytona and to win at Talladega. And a lot of it comes down to luck. He missed a big crash. And he was the car that found the lane and got to the front just as another wreck happened, which led into the rain delay. So it was just a bunch of awesome circumstances that got him out front. He raced, like I said, a very smart race. He kind of held back a little bit. And when everybody understood that the rain was coming and that they probably weren't going to race anymore once the race stopped, uh, he was the one who got to the flag first. So it's great. Give him a lot of confidence. Um, just like anything in life, the hardest one to get is the first one. And uh, once, you know, hopefully next year when everybody comes in and they'll be on a more equal playing uh, playing field with the new car and everybody has to learn all this technology uh, at the same, you know, at the same baseline. I think that maybe, you know, we can see a little bit more talent. I think more talent, more than equipment, is going to prevail the first year with this new car. And then, uh, you know, maybe he can win a couple more races and because, you know, everybody always wants to downplay a, a shortened win by the weather. But uh, you know, the, next, the next win he gets, hopefully it'll be a full mileage race and he'll smoke the competition by three or four seconds at a mile and a half track and then nobody else can you know discount or discredit anything that that he did or accomplished here at talladega but good for him glad to see that show of emotion from him i know it's a big relief off of his back he doesn't have to ask, ask that answer that question anymore about when he's going to win a race where he think he's going to win a race so he's done it and now you know much more hopefully in the future for him to come. Yes, definitely. So we turn to postseason baseball because it is that time. The boys of summer have become the boys of fall. 
the Boston Red Sox and the Yankees, they held on to their wild card positions outlasting Toronto and Seattle the last day of the season. So that set up a matchup between the two storied rivals. And the Red Sox roughed up Garrett Cole in the wild card game to advance to the American League Divisional Series with a 6-2 win over the Yankees. Uh, very surprising result. Uh, Garrett Cole, I think he went four and a four innings, maybe five. And, uh, yeah, they chased him out of the game. And uh, Boston's bats were, were, were really good early in that game. It was a three-nothing game. I think it was four to nothing before the uh, Yankees finally scored. Um, so, um, you know, hats off to the Red Sox. Uh, coming up with a, a big time, big time win at home uh, to advance to play the Rays in the ALDS. The White Sox are going to play the Astros uh, in the other matchup. Uh, currently, the Dodgers and the Cardinals are tied in the National League wildcard game. Uh, the winner will play the San Francisco Giants. Uh, the Braves and the Brewers are the other matchup in the National League. Uh, so just your thoughts on what happened on what happened uh, to the Yankees and, and the Red Sox in that particular game. Um, did not expect Garrett Cole to uh, not pitch at his best uh, in a big game like that. I'm glad he didn't pitch at his best. Uh, you know, after after the. Uh... I mean, I can look at it two ways, but um, I'll try to be as nice as I can for now. Um, but I mean, these these things happen. The, you have one game to advance. You put up, you put on your, you get your best players out there, and he just simply didn't bring it. And when you have. Um, when the bats are going and when you have one shot, one opportunity to go, you got to give it up, give it what you got. The Red Sox just put out more effort. And, you know, you never imagine that. I mean, you know these things can happen. You don't expect them to happen. I guess that's the best way to put it. And I'm sure nobody expected Garrett Cole to have the game that he did. And it just was not the Yankees' day. And, you know, the Yankees have had their day for 27 World Series titles. I mean, they are the marquee. They are the team that that is the most known, that probably draw, is the biggest draw. But at the same time, you know, they've won enough. <laughs> Uh, of course, it'll never be enough for Yankee fans, but you just have this is something that Boston just came out as the better team, and that's just the way it crumbled. Uh, to me, I think the one I mean, anything could happen in October. We've seen it so many times before. I honestly think the Rays are just motivated by the Bucks and the Lightning. <laughs> and they want their they want their parade in the river, and they want that same feeling. So I think that whoever is going to win this series, I think you're going to get ousted by the Rays. I 
I'm sure that as soon as I say this, the words will come back to haunt me in a future episode, but we'll see what happens. But hats off to the Red Sox. Good riddance to the Yankees. Uh, if the Mets can't make it, the other New York team doesn't need to either. Oh, man. Hate, 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 hate. Um, you know it. I, I really like the nostalgia that's going to take place between the Braves and the Brewers. The Old Milwaukee and New Milwaukee. Yeah, so it'll be real interesting, especially in the year where Hank Aaron passed away too. Where he right. was the bridge between the, the last kind of real living bridge between the two cities and the yeah. two versions of the team. So, yeah, um, it'll be cool to see a lot of the hopefully it'll be doing a lot of the tribute packages and stuff uh, to kind of celebrate the two teams and um, their, you know, link to each other. Um, yeah, between. Yeah, I think when you think about the Milwaukee Braves and the Atlanta Braves, there's two people that come to mind, and they're both no longer with us, of course, Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's Eddie Matthews. I mean, that he was the last season in Boston when they were the Boston Braves, the first all out through Milwaukee, and then the first season in Atlanta. So uh, the only one that represented the Braves in all three of their homes, that's pretty pretty cool but I know uh, he's been no longer with us for quite some time but uh, t- yeah for like you said uh, the year Hank Aaron passed passes the two teams that that he was synonymous with I mean because of, in the later years he did play with the Brewers um, for, for a season or two so yeah, that's definitely going to be a very interesting series, and I'll put on my play haters ball hat again and say go Brewers because, you know, I don't want no NLEs teams to prosper around here. Atlanta's got to figure out how to get the lead off of the Brewers starting pitching because they cannot get it off their bullpen. Yeah. Brewers bullpen Especially, is too good. Yeah, well, they do have a – they do have a little bit of a boost since Devin Williams punched the wall and he's out oh, for the right. rest of the season. Yeah, that's right. But Josh Hader, though, don't get it to the ninth and don't let Josh Hader get the ball. Right, right. So baseball playoffs are in full swing. So that should be a lot of fun over the next month or so uh, with the matchups and things like that. Um, and the cards. And then part of me wants the Dodgers and Giants to play just because of that rivalry. Um, it it would be fitting, you know. It would suck because two of the best teams in baseball a year would have to play each other in the division series, but that's just how the playoffs work. That's just how the structure is. Um, you could do the. I kind of part of me also did wish they would have done the eight. Um. The eight teams again, but they would have taken the. Logistics. They would have taken the uh, the way that they did the format last year, and the, yeah. this year, yeah. But it would have took too much, right? Too much. Now, if they decided, which they'll never do, if they decided to take the season back to one forty four, 
Mm-hmm. Then you could have that big gap of time to run the playoffs like that again. Right. And your season wouldn't, you know, stretch into, you know, the end of November. Right. Um, we'll move on to the next tradition in sports during the fall. That is college football. Um, the machine known as Alabama football just keeps rolling along destroying people along the way. Ole Miss was the latest victim. Uh, It's always good to see uh, people like Lane Kiffin who are really confident in themselves to the point where they're arrogant and brash and put offish just get choked out by somebody who is like so much better, so much more buttoned up. Um, Because, yeah, everybody was thinking Ole Miss had the formula to beat Alabama. Yeah, that might have worked for Alabama against Alabama like three years ago, four years ago, right. maybe even five years ago. But yeah, that ain't working no more, Holmes. If you can't score, mm, let's just say modestly, if your defense plays well, if you can't score forty-two, I don't think you need to be stepping on the field with Alabama anytime soon. Nah. Yeah, that. It's just, it's really Alabama in the field right now. Um, and the team that gave him the best shot was Florida. And now we see what happened well, to Florida. That was after Alabama had like a 28-7 to lead before right. the second quarter. And then, but but the thing is now it's like with with that being said, can yeah you don't you have to have the perfect game honestly. Everything has to align correctly to beat Alabama, and unless something happens to one of their top players where they don't have that depth to supplement the injury. Nobody. It's it's Alabama in the field right now. And my money would be on Alabama. Can there be teams that could potentially knock them off? I mean, it's possible, but I would say not probable. If they run up against a very experienced defense, like a defense that's got a bunch of juniors and seniors on it that's been playing together for a while, that really understand their scheme, that can maybe disguise and confuse, you know, uh, Bryce Young a little bit, that would be your only way to freaking try to beat them because their defense isn't going to allow you to score enough to keep up with them. Um, you know, unless you just out here like LSU with just super crazy firepower and, you know, uh, a number one in the draft type quarterback, yeah, I don't see you really messing with Alabama this year. Not with, you know, Oklahoma, Georgia, um, Iowa, um, damn, who did I see? Penn State. Yeah, Penn State, that was fourth. Yeah, like, nah. Nah, homie, they ain't got it. Speaking of Georgia, uh, number two team in the country, they were facing uh, Arkansas, who was ranked number eight, I think. Uh, yeah, there was nothing to see here, folks. 
Uh, Georgia dominated Arkansas 37 and nothing. I think their quarterback threw something like 11 passes. They just ran all over uh, Arkansas's defense. Uh, Arkansas's quarterback, he had been putting up some pretty good, uh, impressive numbers running and throwing. Yeah. Until he looked, that came to an end. Yeah, he looked terrible. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it was a uh, it was a beatdown of all epic proportions. But don't get it twisted, man. Um, I was leaving uh, a, a restaurant, and they were showing the Georgia highlights. And guy asked me, he was like, you think Georgia's got something for Alabama? I was like, man, don't get fooled by Georgia. That's fool's gold. Everything. Georgia's always, and that's like Georgia's history of being fool's gold. It, no matter how much they, they, they've been fool's gold for years. If we're going to keep it 100. They, they always are the preseason picks, and there's always that one game where they mess up. Or the game, the national champion. Well, didn't they play out? Didn't they play in the national championship against yeah, Alabama? That was, a, that was a two a game. Yeah. Yeah, the two a game. Yeah, so, yeah. Fool uh, Gold is a perfect description for Georgia because, yeah. You just you don't want to get your if you get your hopes up off off of Georgia, then prepare for those hopes to be dashed. Yeah, you're more than likely gonna be disappointed. Unfortunately, um, Stanford they upset Oregon, who was number three uh, heading in the last week. They Oregon had an impressive win on the road against Ohio State. Uh, the referees uh, gave Stanford three different opportunities to tie the game, which they finally did on a third try. Went into overtime. Stanford was able to score the touchdown. They were able to keep Oregon from advancing uh, the ball with a first down. And there's your upset, 31-24. to 24. I also think um, – and – I hate to say this, but can we like take the Pac-12 out of the out of the uh, power of the? Because they're not gonna make it. <laughs> how, like how many? I mean, we had Oregon and Oregon in the playoffs, the first college football playoff against um, Ohio State. That was the first championship match, um, and then. And then after that, it's like, is there anybody from the Pac-12? I think Washington made it one year. Mm-hmm. But U.S. has U.S. I don't think U.S.C. has made it. Mm-mm. Yeah, like U.S.C. Has, yeah, U.S.C. hasn't made it. U.C.L.A. hasn't made it. Like Washington made it. Washington, you do Utah make it when they're in the Pac-12? No, I don't think no. Utah made it. No, so it's like only two teams in this uh, history of the CFP have made it at the Pac-12, and it's just like I don't know what they need to do to get back to the 
I guess you could say glory, but it's just it's just not there. And yeah, that's that's the way that's the way I look at it right now. So they're just not they're not up they're not up to par with the rest of the of the rest of the uh, country. Uh, Cincinnati, they went on the road and they defeated Notre Dame. Uh, a lot of people had Notre Dame pretty high uh, in their rankings and in their uh, Pools gold estimation. Team. But Cincinnati rolled in there, took care uh, of business. Uh, looks like Cincinnati may be on their way to another undefeated season. Uh, but we'll see if they get left out of the ultimate dance uh, once it's time to select uh, the playoff teams and the teams that will be playing in the big New Year's Day Bowls. Yeah, I'm kind of kind of not putting any, like, I want to, you want somebody to crash the party, but We've seen how UCF has gotten shunned from that um, a few times, and I don't know. I just I want Cincinnati to make it, but part of me just does not see that happening. But going to Notre Dame though, and getting a win in South Bend, that's definitely got to turn some kind of heads. They've got a hard, um, they got a hard path to get to getting in the top five to get into one of those major bowls, because when the playoff thing comes out, they need to at least be like number five or four to have a chance, even if they do go undefeated because of the way that these other teams are going to be looked at that only have one loss at playing a power conference, you know? Right, exactly. Because they're not going to value Cincinnati's wins against – and then, you know, how this football is. It's all, you know, about who the teams you beat, how well they fare after you play them and beat them. So if Notre Dame is totally to show themselves as fraud – then it's going to end up hurting Cincinnati in three mm-hmm. or four weeks more than it helped them last week, you know? All right. This is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. I'm joined by my co-host, Dwayne. Uh, we're about to move into week four of the NFL, things that happen. But we got to talk about some stuff that's happening off the field first, though. Uh, Jalen Smith released by the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my Dallas. God. Uh, my cousin actually told me that this was – he's a Cowboys fan, that they were talking about that. That's the reason why he didn't play uh, the other day, um, that they were maybe trying to look for a trade, but nobody was uh, taking any – nobody, you know, offered anything that they wanted. So now they have just straight up released them. Um, if Washington's smart, they would try to jump on that immediately. They need some help at linebacker uh, a lot. That would be a Carolina could use them. Nah, Carolina just spent all their money on Stephon Gilmore, who got released by the Patriots earlier in the day because they could not 
agree on a long-term contract. Uh, he had been on the COVID uh, protocol list. He was due to come back in like two more weeks. But the talks stalled, so Belichick was like, okay, I'm just going to release him. And the Carolina Panthers have swooped in, signed Stephon, Stephon Gilmore. Of course, their top pick in this year's draft, J.C. Horn, went down with a broken foot. He's out for the year. Uh, so the Panthers. He's out for December. Oh, he's out for December. Okay, that's good. Uh, so uh, the Panthers making uh, some moves. I think also got C.J. Henderson, too. So they're, they're making some yep. moves to try to. Uh, and Dante Jackson sustain themselves uh, to where that they see like that they have a chance to maybe be a wild card team or possibly even win a division. Yeah, because they got they don't play Tampa Bay till week sixteen and week eighteen, so they get them twice in three weeks at the end of the season, and and so I like the move. It kind of just what 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 was their biggest weakness on the defense has turned into a strength now because uh, you get you get Gilmore off the COVID list, you get Henderson off the COVID list you get Dante Jackson who's still who's still um, doing his thing on the other side of the ball I was, I mean Shaq Thompson, if he can get healthy again uh, he did get hurt in the game at Dallas, but I like the move. Scott Fitter definitely got a top talent for a six-round pick. So, uh, definitely can't even be mad at the fact that, you know, we, that Carolina gives up a, you know, a late-round pick and Give Stephon Gilmore credit. I mean, he he basically did the Patriot way his own way and got his way. Got out of New England, got to go to where he wanted to go, and then got the money that he wanted from his new team. And I think New England still has a help contribute to that. So, Well, it's very interesting to see now that Matt Rule's going to have this uh, expectations and this pressure on him now. Um, you know, it's one thing coming into this as, a hey, the second year of my rebuild, my four-year plan, my three-year plan, whatever. But now um, that they've, you know, added so many pieces over the last couple of weeks, uh, coming off of the effort against Dallas, uh, I think that people are going to start looking at the Panthers with a lot more expectations they're not going to be able to sneak up on people uh, like they did the first couple of weeks. Uh, let's get to your analysis. Uh, well, first, we'll talk about one more off-the-field incident. Uh, Urban Meyer, uh, last Thursday, back in his own stopping grounds in Ohio after the uh, his team blew a 21 to nothing lead against the uh, Bengals. Lemon booty. Uh, he was seen out carousing and gallivanting uh, with a significantly younger woman who definitely was not his wife. And, that was not Shelly. And, uh, yeah, it popped up on social media on, like, Saturday, and there is a lot of talk about it. Uh, he kind of went through this past week, kind of, uh, you know, people were talking about it, but it was more of a 
ha ha, oh my gosh, what was he thinking? Can't get, gotta be smarter type thing. And then today or yesterday, um, the owner of the Jaguars came out with a statement basically condemning the actions, uh, saying that Urban Meyer has, you know, violated the team's trust and it's going to take a lot of actions for him to be able to, uh, you know, get back into good graces of not only the ownership but also the players. And uh, then it comes out that, yeah, uh, these players aren't really right with Urban Meyer and they haven't really been rocking with Urban Meyer. And, uh, yeah, things are really shaky right now for him. Man, Urban Meyer, this has been a circus ever since he has arrived in Jacksonville and not in a good way. And, but uh, it's like, if you go play Bamani Jones's clip from around the horn, he basically summed it up and said that players don't respect him. And when you lose respect to the players, these, these are grown men. These are not children. These are not young men. They're grown men. They have their own lives. They have their own families. They are getting paid a lot more. Most of them are getting paid a lot more than you are. Mm -hmm. And had this kind of just went without notice, then... Had it went without notice, I don't think anybody on that damn team would have cared. Mm-hmm. But you want to have a meeting like you're in college and have all this accountability and all this, which is, I mean, if you're in the college world, yes, we want to, you know, you do that. Because he he was he has power in college. Urban doesn't have power over these players in the NFL. And now the players look at you as a joke because you just did a, you just did a something that they probably would have done or they probably have done, and nobody makes a big deal out of it. So. I really think Trent Baalke, Shotgun, they need to pull the plug on the Serpent Meyer Circus. It's not working. He thought he was going to come in, go 16 and 0 or 17 and 0. Doesn't work that way in the NFL. We saw it. We saw it happen with <laughs> how how many coaches have tried this and have not been really all that successful. I know you know one personally, Steve Spurrier. Yeah, it's a tough transition to go from college to the uh, NFL. Um, Pete Carroll, that's really probably the most successful of the modern. And Pete and Pete Carroll had to go from the NFL to college back to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Pete Carroll. Um, even though it's four games, I'm not. Four games in, I mean, Matt, we will. I I give Matt Rule a little pass for the moment, but we'll see how he does the other thirteen games of the season before we. And and we need the whole body of work, but he's got 
He's Cliff, got a long ass time Cliff, to do that. Cliff, that. Cliff Kingsbury looks like he might have things on the right track. He's trending. Yeah, Cliff Kings. Yes, Cliff Kingsbury out in Arizona. He's yeah, they're doing very well out there. Um, but look, look at, but look at the. I mean, but if you really look at. Um, If you really look at it, like uh, Nick Saban didn't work out. Mm-mm. Nope. Um, who else? Um, I gotta say it's worked. I mean, even though he went from, I guess that's a reverse. Reverse. Lovey Smith it didn't work out because I mean he went back to being a coordinator. Um, but it, it's. I know there's a lot more, and I'll probably look it up, but most times when a coach has historically, with the exception of a few, um, it just doesn't work on being a longtime college coach, making a jump to the NFL. Uh, I think in Jim Harwell's case, it will, um, he probably shouldn't even – I think even if you go backwards, it's not working out for some because uh, I think Jim Harbaugh is a better NFL coach than he is a college coach. Yep, yep. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is probably the you know the most successful winning back to back Super Bowls uh, with the Cowboys mm-hmm. as far as you know yeah. coming from college. But I mean, it still took him three years to really get that thing up and going. So. Yeah, right. definitely take some time uh, if you're going to come in as a college coach. Um, definitely have to learn the league and learn the players and learn how to communicate with the players, how to get them to buy into what you're saying. And if you're not doing those things in training camp and throughout the off season, to where these guys feel like they can trust you um, and that you're going to make smart decisions and good decisions, that only benefit the football team. It's going to be hard for you to demand the same things of them, uh, you know, after you've had such a major transgression. So um, I don't think it's worth getting fired over because it's more personal life than, you know, it's personal life that was made public. But I definitely think that he is on a very short leash. Uh, that leash is very short. And, but, I think it's it's a, the leash is short with Shad, but that leash is gone with the players. Most of them, anyway. I don't. You're gonna have a tough time trying to get these grown men to buy into what you're selling now. Yeah, man. And that's gonna that's gonna be a huge. That's gonna be the biggest problem, I think, for the Jaguars going forward. I mean, remember, this is a team that's lost 19 games in a row now. So Yeah, something could never uh, get like that. Huh? I said, yep, something significantly like that. Yeah, so you know, the record's 26 by the Buccaneers, but um, there's plenty of time for Jacksonville to kind of match that. So we'll see what happens going forward for them. Uh, your Carolina Panthers, uh, valiant effort, 
got away from them there a little bit in the third quarter. Uh, yeah. Fall short to the Dallas Cowboys, 36-28. Uh, your thoughts, assessments of what your team put forth, sir? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Got away from them in the third quarter. They were doing – they were up 14-13. to 13, And then next thing I know, they're down 33-14. to 14. Um, Just uh, – Sam Darnold's had two rushing touchdowns, put his total to five, leads the NFL. But he also had um, two interceptions to Trayvon Diggs. Uh, the first one was a bad throw. Uh, the second one was a tug of war with DJ Moore. Um, Trayvon Diggs just wanted that ball more. I think Dallas kind of put one in the coast mode after they went up after they went up big, uh, Carolina did put up a fight towards the end, but ultimately they just didn't have enough time. And and um, even if you have all the momentum, if you don't have any time left to make a, to complete the comeback and send the game to overtime because they were down eight, uh, it's not it wasn't the new XFL where you have a three point conversion from a ten. So. Um, well, best they could have done was try to force overtime, but they didn't have enough time to do that. Uh, but uh, they battled back. They, you know, you're not going to win um, every single game. That wasn't the expectation anyway. But, uh, you know, things are going to happen, and better team won. And Trayvon Diggs did give me some good fantasy points this week, so I ain't going to complain. Dallas has come along defensively much faster than I uh, thought they would. Uh, we knew what they had on offense. Um, we kind of didn't know if, if, if uh, Dak would have any rust uh, after not playing a significant part of last year, but uh, he has not shown any ill effects of that uh, ankle injury. Um, they've started to incorporate Zeke into running the ball more, looking to become a little bit more balanced since Dak has shown that he's very accurate and can be very efficient with the football. So right now Dallas is starting to, you know, figure themselves out as who they are offensively. The defense is starting to create turnovers and get timely stops, which is really what you want your defense to do when you're rebuilding it uh, the way that Dallas is. So the Cowboys right now, very, very scary team in the NFL. Uh, Tom Brady. He visited New England for the first time in his career as a visitor. Uh, Brady and the Bucks they won a nail-biter over Belichick and the Patriots. Um, very low-scoring game. I think it was 19-17. to 17. Um, uh, Tom Brady definitely energized, excited, hyped, missed a lot of throws that normally he would put right on the money. It was wet out there. They were playing in a downpour a majority of the game. Uh, but, yeah, you could just see that Tom Brady was just super amped up and the ball was uh, not its usual accurate self. Uh, Bill Belichick did the best that he could defensively, having the game plan, disguising coverages uh, last minute after the snap, not really letting Brady understand what he was doing. Uh, Mac Jones had a stretch there where he completed like 19 straight passes as they went to uh, – 
no huddle, up-tempo offense to kind of get things going for them in the game. But, yeah, the Patriots, their field goal kicker basically missed a 57-yard field goal uh, at the end there that would have given them the lead, and uh, that was that. So uh, your thoughts on the biggest showdown of the weekend? Brady and As, It was a uh, – it was a good – it was a good game. I was never thought I would be rooting for the Patriots as hard as I was, but <laughs> these things happen, and you're playing a division rival, so hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? But um, I I thought this was a I thought this was a uh, very competitive game. I saw some things from, I want to see more of New England getting the ball down the field more. I I think, I mean, they moved the ball very well with what they, with what they have and how they do the schemes and everything, but uh, it's also a harder one. You're having to deal with the elements as well. Um, if Adam Vinatieri, Stephen Guskowski was the kicker, and I will say prime Guskowski because the uh, current Guskowski is not the same, um, <laughs> they probably would have won this game. Um, uh, it would have been nice to see the NFC South go 0 4 at that point, but. Uh, Tom Brady just had to ruin the party like uh, like always. So, um, uh, but Tampa Bay they won. The um, got there. They're back to um, five hundred. So, I mean not five hundred, but they are. They're uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Back tie with Carolina. Uh, amongst the NFC South, so gonna be a fun, fun ride. See how this, see how things go the rest of the way. Cardinals probably the most impressive win of the weekend. They thumped the Rams on the road. Um, defense looked fast. Kyler Murray making plays all over the place. Uh, like we said, Cl- Cliff Kingsbury trying to. Uh, in his third year here, make his uh, second year, excuse me, make his transition into the NFL and uh, getting his offensive schemes and uh, you know his philosophies to put up a lot of points. And yeah, the Cardinals look really impressive this past week. I, I was definitely not looking at the Rams to get handled at home the way that they did. And especially not them to be uh, suffocated offensively the way that they were. Yeah, yeah. I think we're looking at a very underrated defense in the Cardinals. Uh, this is definitely going to be a learning, learning um, experience for Sean McVay and company. Mm-hmm. But a good job by, a great job by Arizona. Uh, you really look at it, they've been really t- 
take the um, they've, been, they've been playing some very good de- uh, defense and offense. Uh, I think about that week one game against Tennessee when uh, ten- a lot of people thought Tennessee was going to uh, breeze by them, but uh, they ended up smacking Tennessee in the mouth, and then and then they do the same thing here with. Um, LA and and I guess it kinda I guess it kinda makes sense that the Rams were at home on Sunday since the Chargers were in the building on Monday night. Um other impressive uh wins. I thought the Ravens looked good. Thought Lamar threw the ball very well, over three hundred yards passing to defeat the Broncos. Uh Teddy Bridgewater unfortunately got hurt in that game, concussion. Uh, so we'll see what his status is for next week. Uh, the Chargers look good on Monday Night Football, at least in the first half, 21 nothing over the Raiders. Uh, kind of got a little sloppy during the third quarter for them. The game got a little bit tighter than it needed to be, but they ultimately uh, pulled it out 28-14. to 14. Uh, Still Packers, trying to figure out how a lightning delay happens in an indoor stadium. <laughs> um, Packers. Uh, have rebounded from the opening day loss to the Saints. Uh, they look very good against the Steelers, twenty-seven to seventeen. Steelers uh, just can't, uh, you know, do anything in the passing game. Their offensive line is bad. The quarterback is playing bad. Uh, their receivers weren't able to catch the ball, and they're banged up. So yeah, definitely a, a tough go right now for the Steelers. Uh, the Seahawks, twenty-eight to twenty-one over the Forty-Niners. Uh, Jimmy G, unfortunately, hurt in this game. Calf uh, strain. Uh, so we'll see how long that, that takes him out of the game. Uh, Trey Lance got his uh, you know feet wet. Divisional game played the second half. Um, struggled a little bit, but seemed to kind of figure things out as the game went along. Had a really nice drive uh, near the end of the game once Seattle kind of was relaxing their defense a little bit. So we'll see where things go for him. Um, the Jets... Zach Wilson, Robert Sahala, they get their first win, 27-24 over the Titans. Uh, the Giants also get their first win of the season, 27-21 in overtime over the Saints. Uh, <laughs> nope, Josh Fields, he got his first win uh, as a starting quarterback over the Lions, 24-14. And, yes, the football team. Uh, saved by the grace of Tyler Heineke once again, uh, pulled it out over Atlanta, thirty-four to thirty. Uh, another very disappointing effort by the defense. Um, Atlanta had been struggling to score uh, just over like twenty-three points. Uh, they got thirty here. Could have had a, a, a lot more if Calvin Ridley wouldn't have dropped a couple of uh, deep balls. So very disappointing in the effort by the defense so far. Jack Del Rio. Really needs to uh, reassess some things, uh, figure out some different combinations, maybe change the starting lineup or something. Maybe go back. Or get Jalen Smith. Yeah, or get Jalen Smith. Maybe go back to more of a, like, it sucks. You can't really run a 3-4 defense with Washington right now because then you have Chase Young and Montez Sweat going into coverage, and nobody wants that. They played a lot of five-man line, but they played it with um, Ionitis Payne and Allen, and then having Sweat and, and Young as the end, so it kind of looked like a 3-4 defense still. Um, 
but they were just trying to generate any type of pass rush that they could against Matt Ryan. Uh, it only was successful once. They only recorded one sack against them. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of things to be desired with Washington's defense. Uh, Tyler Haneke, number four. He wears number four for a reason because Brett Favre is, Brett Favre is his idol. And, uh, yeah, he does some reckless things on that football field like Brett Favre does and gets away with it. And uh, Sunday was no exception. I had a couple passes that probably should have been intercepted. Uh, threw up a lollipop that uh, uh, my man Terry McLaurin boxed out and grabbed in the end zone for a touchdown. Then he's, Shout out to Boston, receiver. Then he's scrambling uh, towards one side of the field, can't find anybody open. Sees a running back, flash open, stops, throws it back across the field to that running back who makes a great individual effort uh, to score the t- game-winning touchdown for the football team. So, uh, Rivera, Jack Del Rio, you guys have got a lot of work to do uh, before this stretch of games after the Saints because after we play the Saints on Sunday, schedule gets real hard. We're facing some of the top-notch quarterbacks in the league week after week after week for about a five-week period. So it's going to be real tough to win these games, uh, giving up 30 and 35 points every week. All right, Dwayne, I know at this point you want to talk about um, the NHL getting ready to start here. We've uh, Everybody's going to play their last preseason game this weekend. Then the regular yes. season is going to start Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. As all teams will eventually get their, you know, action in then. So we'll do this a different way. Um, do you think the Lightning are the favorites to repeat this year once again? Three P in hockey. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. When you look at the, really look at the moves or lack their lack of moves. It looks like they're keeping the core and the, the core together. And so it's really going to be tough to, yeah, it's really going to be tough. Like the only, the only, um, the biggest loss that Tim Bay really had was uh, Yanni Gord got selected by the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft. Um, Gord won two Stanley Cups with the Lightning, and and um, he had six seasons, six seasons with the team, three hundred ten games, hundred eighty seven points, eighty goals, hundred seven assists in that six year period. Um, yeah, they did acquire Brent Seabrook from the Chicago Blackhawks, gave up Tyler Johnson, and a second round pick. Um, and then Braden Point gets an extension. Uh, they signed Corey Perry, uh, who has been a 16-year veteran. Most of those years were with the Ducks. He spent um, he spent a uh, couple of years uh, spent this past season with the team that beat the Lightning beat in the Stanley Cup this year, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Perry looking for a cup and figured, hey, the Lightning are the best place to get it. Um, and, uh, yep, the other, uh, yeah, 
guys. So most of the core of this team is still together. So I just don't. I mean, if they stay healthy, health, of course, is going to be the major factor here as we are on the 82 game, uh, back to the 82 game season and back to the original division, back to the divisions uh, pre pandemic. This will be uh, very interesting to see if they can make that run for a third straight cup. Uh, who do you think is going to be the team that falls off the most this year? Maybe a team who was uh, uh, in the playoffs last year that you're looking for a down year from there. So down years. Uh, so yeah. So for this year, I would have to say that if I look at the teams from this past season that made the playoffs. Um, and I'm actually looking for the teams that made it, actually. Okay. Yeah, so if I look at the... Okay. Give me just a second. Um, Who do you think was going to be your standout rookie of the year? Oh, man. Standout rookie of the year? You gotta look at, you gotta look at, um, and there's this, there's this, um, one kid out of, out of, um, So Owen Power, he got selected by the Sabres in the draft this year. Um, he's a defenseman, and with the Sabres really trying to rebuild, um, you can look at um, Owen Power, Matty Beneers. Uh, he's he's got the number two pick for the uh, Seattle Kraken, and I and you got they need Seattle does need a young score and with uh with the I think uh Maddie Beneers can set up um a lot of his older uh, teammates and can give them get a lot of assists out of that Luke Hughes out of uh for the New Jersey Devils uh, William Edmund San Jose Sharks uh he's had a great camp and and um my other pick would be um uh, Cole Sillinger of the Columbus Blue Jackets as well. Uh, these, I think, Cole Sillinger is more of a mid round, mid first round pick. But uh, between uh, Beneers, uh, Mason McTavish, Luke Hughes, Owen Power, William Eklund, those are the guys to watch out for. Um, to the team that's going to fall off, I would say it would probably be. I would look at Montreal because and the only reason why I say Montreal is because they they there's always that one team that gets hot at the right time. They got hot at the right time uh, late in the season and into the uh, playoffs. Uh, nobody really kind of saw them coming uh, to get the to get to the Stanley Cup to play the Lightning. So 
Uh, another team, I think, are the uh, ever-tortured uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, the Maple Leafs have the longest uh, Stanley Cup drought at this point, uh, especially for the teams in Canada. They haven't won since 1967. And the drought is is uh, taking its toll on the poor Maple Leafs fans. So uh, it's definitely I just don't see them. They can't get out the first round for nothing. So um, wanted to see the. Uh, Going to see if those teams can do very well. The team that I'm really interested in looking at, uh, of course, the for the first time, Seattle Kraken. They open up Wednesday night uh, against their expansion brethren, their older expansion brethren, the Vegas Golden Knights. Do I think the Kraken will get to the Stanley Cup in their first year like Vegas? No, but... I, I am looking forward to seeing what they can do. I thought that this year, uh, coming into the season, that uh, the onus was going to be in the rebuilding of the divisions again, having to get those um, matchups back, and how for a team like Carolina, uh, for a couple of other teams, it would probably be a detriment going back to their original Divisions this year, Um, so I'm pretty sure that that's going to play a big deal um, in the way that this season plays out. Because you know those teams have gotten so used to playing each other 12, 14 times in a season, and uh, last year they did not play each other until they got to the playoffs. Um, So I'm I'm going to be very interested in seeing how that schedule change and the divisional. Uh, going back to the original, you know, setup uh, has hockey looking this year. Plus, hockey is going to be on um, new platforms to new exciting things for them as far as television presentation uh, this year, as they're going to be on TNT and back on ESPN uh, for the first time on ESPN in over 20 years. So it's going to, um, you know, give them a little bit more national focus. Uh, this year, and I know Gary Bettman and those guys are hoping that this uh, this Kane situation can uh, can can get itself Ugh. figured out. But it seems like every two weeks he keeps uh, showing that this dude is just it, like he's got like a very good standing on the ice amongst his teammates and stuff. But this person, no, he life, does not. He makes some bad decisions, or at least he did. I know he was like the captain and everything, but yeah. But now. Uh, with his gambling and now with this, you know, vaccine vaccination card and everything coming out, it yeah. is, uh, yeah, it is starting to uh, yeah. turn on Patrick Kane. So, yeah, so here, uh, as Evander Kane, oh, but Evander Kane, thank you. Yeah, but here's the here's the thing though. The um, so the gambling and the betting on games. That was yeah he 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 beat that because then there's no nobody found any evidence on that and the person that reported it was his estranged soon to be ex wife uh, who didn't even show up to testify um, 
but now the fake vaccination card uh it's, it, like you said it seems like it's something every two weeks and i was actually talking to my to my uh best friend about it too and because he's just like is evander kane this shitty of a person or is it just people just going up against them and it's a little bit of both i mean because his ex-wife is out to get him or soon to be ex-wife is out to get him um and we kind of seen that she's proven to be very unreliable and unstable um and i'm not saying that just to say that i'm saying that because of what's happened and then also, like if it ain't one thing, it's another, but his contract is so massive that the Sharks just can't eat the contract for one, and then for two, nobody wants to take that nobody wants to take the contract because of the size of it, the money and the headache that comes along with it, and then his teammates don't want him. So it's like I don't know what has to be done at this point. Uh the like you said, he did have a good relationship, but nobody on that Sharks team wants him around. Like his own team don't want him, and nobody else does. So I don't know if it's going to be a KHL stint or what, but he's got a lot of rehabilitation to do in more ways than one. All right, man. Got everybody set up for the season here. Uh, hopefully it'll be a great hockey season. Got the Olympic break coming in this year, so it'll be a, the big pause in February uh, for the two weeks for the Olympics. Uh, you know, depending on how things go in the world with the virus and whatnot. Uh, so, uh, you know, another hockey season coming through, and uh, should be a lot of fun. And we'll see. Uh, you know, with the new exposure on the television, if you know, hockey season uptick and people talking about it and uh, really being into it a lot more than they have uh, for the past couple of years. All right, Dwayne, at this time, man, I'm going to turn it over to you for your shout-outs, thank yous, and a final thought if you have one. First of all, happy birthday, Aunt Cheryl. She was my dad's sister, uh, always a supporter of the show. Um, It's been over a year since she has... I passed today. I was her birthday today. Um, so definitely kind of blessed to have recorded this show on her birthday. So definitely wanted to get that out there. Um, as always, thank you, Don, for letting me co-host and get, talk about um, all the happenings in the sports world. Shout out to all the content creators on the CSPN and all the listeners as well. Without without you, there's no us. So, uh, my final thought: uh, Chicago is back in the finals, the WNBA finals, but they're back in the finals, and uh, they were the sixth seed in the WNBA playoffs. Um, they got they got by. Did they get by? They beat. They beat the. Uh, they beat the Connecticut Sun three games to one. Uh, prior to that, 
uh, and this was the Connecticut Sun that swept the awards. Basically, in the uh, WNBA, they the Sun had the uh, reigning, they had the Coach of the Year, the MVP Jacquel Jones, and uh, Most Improved Player as well in Alyssa Thomas and uh, the Sky. Uh, first round, they beat the Dallas Wings. They beat the uh, Minnesota Lynx in the second round. And they beat the, um, after an epic double overtime, game one in the WNBA semifinals in Connecticut. They won that one, took took home court. Uh, the Sun eventually got game two, but the Sky won games three and four at home to get a berth into the WNBA finals. Packed house at the Wintrust Arena in Chicago. Um, this was the site of AW All Out, by the way. Uh, but uh, um, but not only was this game packed, not only was this house packed, uh, Scotty Pippen was courtside, Chance the Rapper was there. A lot of support for the uh, for the Chicago Sky. Um, and on their way to their first WNBA Finals, they await the winner of Las Vegas and Phoenix. Uh, the Aces and the Mercury. The Aces are blowing out the Mercury right now in in Phoenix right now. It's 78-52 with a third. That looks like a game five will be back in Las Vegas on Friday night. But congratulations, Chicago Sky. Uh, big Candace Parker coming home. Um, what a homecoming has been. Uh, not only does she get an extension at Turner Sports, uh, she she gets her team to the WNBA Finals, and hopefully they can add to the Chicago basketball legacy by getting their first WNBA title. All right, all right. I'd like to thank Mr. Dwayne for joining me once again here on the score. I'd like to thank uh, everybody here on the CSPN uh, who helps excuse me, keep the network up and running each and every week. Uh, go over to CSPN.us, click on that tab that says keep our podcast free, and you can uh, support the podcast through supporting our sponsors, do some shopping with Amazon. Some of the purchases have come back to the podcast to help keep the podcast free each and every week. Also, the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash CSPN Media, where you can find extra content each and every week. Um, I really don't have a final thought this week. Uh, just, uh, you know, just very happy for Bubba Wallace uh, to finally um, capture the flag, get the win uh, in Talladega. Very significant track for him. Uh, very significant day in NASCAR. So hopefully uh, this won't be the last time we see Bubba in victory lane. Hopefully it's just the start. Um, going to the North Carolina-Florida State uh, football game this Saturday. Uh, hopefully it doesn't monsoon like uh, they're predicting it to do on Saturday. Um, not really uh, the expectations and the wheels have kind of come off of Carolina's season uh, because their defense is awful. But uh, their offense has some very explosive players on it, and uh, maybe we can see some uh, some of that speed on display uh, if the weather isn't too bad uh, coming into this weekend. Uh, next weekend, I mean, on the bright side, Florida State bad too. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, next weekend, 
Uh, we're going to go see the uh, unveiling of the Hubert Davis-led North Carolina basketball team as they're going to have their uh, what used to be known as Midnight Madness. Uh, but uh, it's going to be called, I guess, Late Night with Hubert now. And uh, so we'll so we'll see what the uh, what the new look Tar Heels uh, under Hubert Davis are working with. So it's going to be a, a busy two weeks for me on campus uh, in Chapel Hill, uh, watching a little I bit of football and some basketball. Wish I could have went to Late Night in the Fog with Run DMC at the <laughs> musical guest uh, yeah, at that's, Allen. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> But enjoy it, though. Enjoy it. Yeah, man. I'm looking uh, forward to it. should be a lot of fun. I, I want to see just kind of a little bit, you know, what's different as far as what Hubert Davis is going to be uh, stressing, what kind of, you know, what, what his fingerprint on the program is going to be as far as, uh, you know, his offense, what he likes to run as far as defense and how much, you know, trapping and pressing are they going to try to do. Um, you know, I think offensively is what everybody's looking at. Are they going to try to run out the traditional Carolina two big man lineup, or is he going to try to be more of a, you know, traditional more with the times coach of these days with the smaller lineup guys, uh, you know, shooting threes and, uh, you know, trying to drive around people to get to the basket instead of just, uh, you know, pounding it into the inside like we've been used to for the better part of, you know, 50 years between Dean Smith and Roy Williams coaching. Um, right. With a little bit of Bill Guthridge in between. Yeah, yeah. So we will uh, definitely uh, have more to report in a couple of weeks on that front as far as Carolina basketball goes. So for my co-host, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente. And now you know the score.